on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. We continue our breakdown of OU's roster by talking some quarterbacks and running backs in the National College Football Roundup. We discuss the drama at Texas and Brian Kelly having some things to say about Notre Dame. We finish up giving you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man, Michael Hostie, will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. a beautiful Thursday, April 14th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your health and safety are Riverwind's number one priorities. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Riverwind will be featuring live music and local food trucks every month starting in May for the Beats and Bites Festival. Performers include the Randy Rogers Band and Scotty McCreary. If you need help finding your way, just visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now we're recording this Wednesday night. Please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment while you're at it. Also, if you want to sponsor the podcast, you can email the Oklahoma Breakdown at gmail.com. Ted, we're going to start with something that we've never done before and is very exciting. Are you prepared? I like it. I'm I'm prepared. I like this. So we were contacted by a loyal listener, Bracey James Lerner, and basically reached out and said, hey, if I wanted to buy some OU spring game tickets for you to give away to listeners on the podcast, how would y'all feel about that? And I was like, uh, that sounds awesome. Let's do it. So Bracey James Lerner has purchased 12 OU spring game tickets for us to give away. So we did not talk before we started recording about this. We are going to decide how we're giving these away right here, right now. My initial thought is giving away six pairs. Your thoughts, sir. I like that. That's the best way to do it. I think, um, you could do you could do six pairs or you could do you know the three groups of four if someone wants to take a family, you know, a family of four or something like that. But six for two, uh three of four, I either one sounds great. Hell, okay. twelve individuals, but you know, that probably doesn't work very, very good. 
I think six pairs is good. Six. We'll go with six pair. And let's do Twitter. Okay. Because I feel like our Twitter is the most active of the podcast yeah. social media accounts. So we need to come up with something for people to tweet at us. Do you want to do a phrase and a hashtag? And we just send them to the first six people, send a pair each to the first six people that send that in. That's the easiest way to do it. Okay. Come up with the dumb phrase. I'm putting this on you. Um, should it just be like a uh, Oklahoma breakdown or Bracey James learner for president? Ooh, or, that's good. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, BJL 2020. Six, four, sorry, 2024. No. Um, Jordan Spieth is the best. <laughs> Spieth. Uh, let's see. How about. Uh, what else? This is probably why people plan what, the, how they're going to give away stuff before they start recording. I'm now learning my lesson. Well, I think because is there is there a reason for the giveaway? I think she wants she just wants people to go to the game. Okay. Um, hashtag pack the palace. I mean, that's what they're to our Twitter. That's what OU's pushing. Pack the palace. Okay, let's do. Bracy, which is B-R-A-C-E-Y. So tweet at OK underscore breakdown, which is our Twitter handle. So tweet our Twitter handle and tweet Bracy for president, <laughs> hashtag pack the palace. And the first six people that do that will get a pair of tickets, free tickets to the OU spring game. Sound good? Awesome. I love it. The first six we get, those people will get the tickets. It's that simple. Beautiful. So, yeah, first time we've given away tickets, kind of fun. Is it the first time we've given away anything? I think so. No, we, get, we gave away the gift cards from Loves during football season. That was good. That's right. That's Everyone right. loves free, free stuff. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah, so, we maybe need to make a habit of giving away some free stuff every now and then. I like it. Yeah, so Bracy for president. Hashtag pack the palace and you got to tag our Twitter at okay underscore breakdown. All right, let's talk some quarterbacks and really it is, I, I don't want to make this sound bad, but it's like a one guy conversation at this point. Right. Mm -hmm. And that guy is Dylan Gabriel. I, I think it's really important to start here. The helmet looks way less goofy in person. <laughs> it actually is pretty sweet looking in person. It's not as bad. It, I, I I wouldn't have even noticed it had I think it was maybe you brought it to my attention. I wouldn't have even noticed it after the fact because I, I wasn't even thinking about looking at it. But yeah, it does. It looks way better in person. You're right. Yeah. So I thought it was important that we start there. <laughs> but man, they have been really, really pleased with how he's handled this entire process. And they're certainly excited about his command of this offense. You know, just you're right, just a couple of weeks with these with these guys in spring ball. And, and I know he got in and was 
is working with them in winter workouts and all that stuff. But playing actual football is different, right? And, man, I'll say this. He moves around way better than I thought he did. Yep. I mean, he is he's more athletic. He's quicker than I thought he was. And the thing that stands out about him when it, when it comes to passing the football is the accuracy. I mean, he is, he's really accurate and they have been, they've been impressed. He's not a raw rock guy. That's probably the best way to put it, but he has his own way of leading his guys on the offense and, and being a leader on the team. And it, it's more of a, Hey, I'm going to lead by the way that I play and you know, the way that I carry myself and handle my stuff on and off the field. He's not a guy that goes around screaming at practice or anything like that. That's just, that's not really not his style, but man, his skill set it allows Levy to, to do it. A lot of things in the passing game, when it comes to moving the pocket, booting them out, sprint outs, uh, changing the launch point with his athleticism and some of the play action stuff they can get him involved in the run game. Now, Ted, you, you may disagree, but I don't think they're going to want to dial up a ton of designed run game for him because he's just not that big of a dude. And he's really, really valuable to this football team. So now he runs well enough to keep defenses honest, you know, some of these read concepts, you know, make them stay home on the backside, that type of stuff. But he is, he's got a lot of people around, around Norman feeling good about QB1, man. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Just starting right there with the quarterback run game stuff. I, I wouldn't expect a whole lot of called quarterback run. Just like you said, keep it on the backside, maybe a, a handful of times a game. Um, like if, if you get the right look and, and, you know, maybe if you, you're spread out, dial something up on the interior. But I don't think it's going to be heavy. He's going to be, he's going to be way closer to like a Baker Mayfield than he is a Matt Corral at Ole Miss under Levy. He, you know, Baker uh, could run, was an effective runner. Uh, he's not a great runner. You know, but he's athletic enough to make you pay if you overplay some things. Now, I think one of the differences is uh, Baker would try to run over people, <laughs> you know, put the shoulder down. I don't think that's going to be Dylan Gabriel's style. He's He's got some good shake to him in the open field. Probably try and make a guy miss. If he does that, pick up the first down, step out of bounds, slide. But I don't think he's going to be putting the shoulder down on a normal basis, like if, if it's late, you got to pick up a first down, you got to do what you got to do. But I think he's going to be more uh, scramble to throw type of guy. Uh, keep the zone read on the backside every now and then to keep you honest. But that's not to say that he's not athletic because I, I've been pleasantly surprised with how well he moves around. He does. He scrambles good, throws really good on the run, and uh, he, he throws a good pass. He's got great touch. He's accurate. And he's got command of the offense. I mean, right now, that's that's about all you can ask for. Yeah, and not not just because he's left-handed and also Hawaiian, but some of the stuff he does on the practice field reminds me of Tua Tungavailoa a little bit, right? Yeah, 
how the ball jumps out of his hand, kind of the the sneaky athleticism for a guy that's just you know not that big in stature. Like there there's some similarities there as I've you know as I've watched him, but I I think him coming and ending up as the starter. I think it's working out pretty well from everything I can tell, right? Like I think that everyone involved him, the coaching staff, his teammates, like it seems like everyone's pretty fired up about where OU's going to be heading into the 2022 season at the quarterback position, at least when it comes to the starting quarterback. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I honestly, it sounds like a lot of the staff, that maybe hadn't had any interaction with him were surprised with the accuracy and some of the the arm talent that he does have. And that's always a good thing whenever your quarterback is uh, more accurate than maybe th- people thought he was going to be or, or even maybe even Levy thought he was going to be. I don't know, but um, he's, been, he's been accurate. He throws a great ball, a catchable ball. And um, he's he's been a really good decision maker. Uh, he he checks all of the boxes, and we know it's hard to see in practice. You know, like it'll be, even be hard in a spring game because it is a spring game. But no matter how hard you try, it's hard to treat it like a, an actual game, right? So uh, he he has the gamer gene. I mean, we've seen it come out in him before. Like when the lights are on and you've got to make a play the dude can can make things happen on the football field. So right now it all looks pretty good. I if if we're sitting here trying to trying to talk about weaknesses, it's kind of hard to pinpoint something right now, isn't it? Uh without he's, really seeing a whole lot of he's live not action. six four. Yeah. Which it, it's not as big of a deal as it used to be, right? But still like he, he's just not a big dude. But other than that, the decision-making has been good. The command of the offense, like he, he makes good decisions, but also it's not like he's not aggressive with the football in, in the passing game. So it, it seems like he, he's got a nice balance of knowing where to go with the football in the system, but also, you know, taking some chances with the balls, like smart, calculated chances, you know, chances where, yeah, there's going to be a guy there, but he knows where to put the ball so his guy can make a play, those types of things. So, yeah, I, it, it almost feels too good to be true at this point with all the stuff we're hearing, but you also got to remember, this is a really good offensive system, and this is a guy that's, that's played some pretty damn good football in his college career when he was healthy. So I, I guess it shouldn't be that surprising. Yeah. And I mean, we'll, we'll learn more as this thing unfolds. And obviously whenever we get into the fall and we can really pick apart every little thing that he's doing and watch it in, in some more detail, like I'm sure right now, if, if you sat down with Lebby and really talked about some of the things that he's really got to work on, he's probably got a list, you know, uh, like all coaches do, but you know, just having, observed a couple of practices right now he he looks sharp and he he's always as sharp as you can ask for a guy that's only been here for as long as he is you know that and looks very calm always yeah 
always calm, always like it's it it he always looks in control, right? Never looks flustered. So that that goes to one of those conversations of like, how do you want your quarterback? You know, the peaks and valleys of emotion, or do you want a guy that's just even keel all the time? He 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 gets a little fiery, but for the most part, he it's like. Hey man, do you even have a pulse? <laughs> like yeah. he is as as cool as cool can can be. So, and that's that's how a lot of the greatest quarterbacks are. So, pretty pretty good trait to have. There's more like that than there are um, the other version. The other version is, you know, the emotion. Emotion leads to error in judgment, right? And that's kind of that's one of the one things that you look out for you're mad you're upset you are amped up and that's good that's good positive energy but it also may lead you to take risk that you just don't need to take so i'll take the calm even yeah i like the calm Uh, i will say it's like all ou quarterbacks i assume for the foreseeable future will be compared to baker mayfield Mm -hmm. because the fan base just let like the energy the attitude uh, the chip on the shoulder, like that just plays so well with the fan base, but don't, don't compare Dylan Gabriel to Baker Mayfield when it comes to like the emotional component, the leadership component They're they're very different people when it comes to how they carry themselves and like the attitude they have. And that's okay. It's okay. People. It's fine. It is. Um, it is maybe a, not the best setup that Baker Mayfield is going to be there the first time the crowd gets to see Dylan Gabriel and Baker's probably going to be running up and down the field with a flag and being Baker and uh, sucking all of the attention out of the stadium. But, you know, that's just something you got to deal with around that guy, man. He's amazing. Yeah, it'll be fine. Uh, I, I am very excited about QB1 for the Sooners. Okay, the backup quarterback situation is interesting, right? Because Nick Evers, highly recruited guy, right? He's a freshman. This just in, it's really hard to completely digest Jeff Levy's offense in a couple of months and then go out and execute it at a high level when you're being asked to make throws and do things and make reads that you've never had to do in your entire life. Playing quarterback is very hard. And it's very hard in Jeff Levy's system, the way that he asked his quarterbacks to read some things out, especially in the past game. So I will say this about Nick Evers. I've had many conversations about him, all very positive because he has come in and he's worked hard on adding weight. He's worked hard on adding muscle. He's having the same struggles every freshman quarterback has, right? Sometimes he's overwhelmed. Sometimes he can't get the play call out of his mouth. Like there's, there are freshman problems that all quarterbacks have. He just needs more time in the system. He needs more time in the weight room. He needs more time at the trading table, right? Got to get my man some calories, add, add that weight, but He's just, he's learning what being a college quarterback is all about. And it's not easy. And that's why I I think that they are, they're really excited about the ceiling 
that this guy has. He shows some serious flashes of ability on the practice field where you, he knows where he's supposed to go with the football. He's confident. He's in rhythm. He lets it rip, and you're like, okay, I see it. I see it. And then you see a lot of moments of indecision where he's just like, okay, I'm going to take off and run. And I'll say this, that dude can run. I mean, he can absolutely run, but I'm not sure if they had a game next week that he would be the backup. I, I think it would probably be Ralph Rucker. But the thing is, they don't have a game next week. And this kid's got a lot of time to develop, and he's going to. So he, he's one of those kids where I, I know we, we always get fired up about the big-time quarterback recruit, but it's going to take some time. It's just going to take some time. He needs to develop. He needs to develop more physically. And then he needs to get more comfortable operating this offense. And that shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. That's how the vast majority of freshman quarterbacks are. No, and frankly, in my opinion, that's how you want it. You, you want guys to develop, to get comfortable in a system and not have to be thrown to the wolves before they're ready. You know, it goes for quarterback, that goes for every position. You know, we get enamored with freshmen that come in and play. You don't want freshmen coming in and playing. It's not what you want. You want upperclassmen on the field. If you can go out with juniors and seniors across the offense and defensive, uh, you know, starting units, you're going to be way better than whenever you have freshmen out there. Now, Every now and then, yeah, you have a guy that comes in that is just extra gifted athletically and plays a position that doesn't require a whole lot of thinking, and those guys can come in and, and be contributors. But for the most part, you don't want freshmen playing. You don't even want to think about freshmen playing. Um, so I, I think that Nick Evers is right where you would expect a quarterback that you know, just came from high school and all of a sudden is out there playing with the big boys. Um, all of that to say that backup quarterback is a problem for the football team right now. I, I would say of all of the positions, like anytime you lose your starting quarterback, you're in trouble, right? And it's not going to look good. But if Dylan Gabriel were to go down we would be in serious trouble. And I think Micah Bowens has looked okay. The Penn State transfer, he's done some really nice things. Um, you mentioned Ralph Rucker. I think Ralph Rucker has has some abilities, but it would not shock me at all if there's some transfer portal focus at the quarterback position. And that's not a knock on Nick Evers, right? Like yeah. developing – at the quarterback position, like it, it takes time, right? Especially when a guy like Evers comes in and, you know, he's, he's a little thin, right? So you've got the mental development side, you know, with understanding the system, all the decision-making that is put on the quarterback in this system. And then you've got the physical development component of it. So I think the best thing for Nick Evers would be for, yes, he's going to practice during the season and all that stuff, but just, hey, man, eat, lift, and study this system like yep. your entire freshman year. And that that would be an ideal scenario for him, right? You're learning the system. 
but you're really addressing addressing what he needs to address physically. But yeah, uh, backup quarterback. It's a big question mark for sure. Yeah, which is interesting because we've had an embar- uh, uh, just like the quarterback room has been insane for so long, but you have two five-star quarterback transfer out in one year. It leaves a bit of a vacuum there. So um, I'm not worried about it until it's time to worry about it. Right. I mean, uh, Dylan Gabriel's our guy and I think he's going to be excellent this fall. Um, You know, he does have an injury history, which is something there, but it would not shock me if, they went out to the transfer portal and tried to find an experienced quarterback that's that's played somewhere and has a little bit of time under his belt. Yep. We'll see. All right, let's talk some running backs. But first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 600 locations in 41 states offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including my favorite that I stopped and got some of today. Oh, really? Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Loves also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile to go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Loves Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Loves Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Love's Travel Stops. For a full list of what Love's has to offer, visit loves.com. Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma breakdown merchandise. Gabe is modeling there. If you want to live your life in buttery soft comfort, go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com and use promo code TED, T-E-D, For 10% off your entire order, you still get a discount on all of the OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. That's opolisclothing.com and use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. And a little little thing to add, Opolis just partnered with a a young woman named Jocelyn Allo. Uh Uh-oh. You may have heard of her. They just dropped her merch on opolisclothing.com and guess what promo code ted gets you 10 percent off that's right love it go check it out it's really sweet it's good stuff all right let's talk some running backs so running backs are obviously going to be very very involved in jeff levy's system you look at what he did at Ole miss last year they were tied with arkansas for the most rushing attempts in the SEC. Now that also has a lot to do with how many plays they run with this tempo system. But Ole Miss also led the SEC in rushing touchdowns. They had four guys that ran for over 550 yards. So running the football is something that Jeff Levy wants to do. And Eric Gray is RB1 and he is the man for the job. So I there's just no doubt right now that he is the best running back on this football team from all the conversations I've had and he's had, he's had a great off season. I, I I don't really know how else to say this. I don't know. His lower body has gotten very thick 
big backside on that young man. I mean, it, it has, it is enhanced. So, which is good, which is good. So he is, he's put the work in physically. He he's doing a really good job of digesting this system and, and knowing it like the back of his hand, he's a, he's emerged as a leader with the way that he's worked. And I, I've, I really feel like this offensive staff with that more collaborative effort that we've talked about, they're, they're going to figure out some ways to utilize his skill set and to, to get the most out of Eric Gray and DeMarco Murray, the way that he speaks about him, right. Just says he handles everything like a pro that is, that's about as good of a compliment as you're going to get from DeMarco Murray, who is not a guy that blows any smoke at all. For him to say, no, he, he handles himself like a pro, that's, I'm not sure people realize how big of a compliment that is. So, yeah, it, it better be a big year for Eric Gray. Remember, the, the hype was real coming into last season, yeah. and you and I, we, there's no doubt, we bought into it. We were talking about it. But I would be really, really surprised if he stays, if he stays healthy. If, I'd be really surprised if he doesn't have a massive season. Yeah, he needs to. Um, he's, got, he's got way too good of a skill set to not go out there and have a ton of success. Um, I think he's a better runner than he showed last year. I think he's a better receiver than he got the opportunity to show last season. I think that you can put more on his shoulders and he could be a really productive back for us. Um, you know, you, you've heard all, all of the positives whenever it comes to him. My question is, is he going to be able to put the shoulders down, uh, lower the pads and go get the, the physical yards between the tackles? Is he going to be able to make that guy miss in open space last year? That was, that was it. He had, Plenty of opportunities where there's one guy out there, and if he makes him miss, he's going to turn it into an explosive play. And he just, for whatever reason, it was like a shoestring tackle here, a stumble coming out of a, of a tackle there. He just had a hard time breaking those plays. This year, he needs to break them. And everything that I hear leads me to believe that that's going to happen. Yeah, and he is... I think he's going to be much more comfortable in this zone heavy running scheme for Levy. Now, it is it is more of a kind of a mid zone scheme where they build off. It's not quite wide zone. It's not quite inside zone. It's somewhere in between what I call mid zone. All kinds of different variations of that play uh, to you know give the defense different looks, but. I just think he's more comfortable in those concepts, right? I, I think as opposed to him trying to do what Kennedy Brooks did, you know, waiting, waiting, waiting on the GT counter stuff. I just think this, this fits Eric Gray's style a lot better. And I think, I think he's more comfortable with it. And I think it's he's way more, more conventional with it. It's, it's, it's way more conventional. It's more what most guys are used to uh, high school. And even whenever he was at Tennessee, I'm sure it's way, way closer to what he did there. Um, I, I think, I think this running game could suit him just fine. Plenty of room for cutbacks and, and using some shiftiness and also opportunities to get out in space. Yeah, no doubt. All right. 
Marcus Major, 222-pounder at running back. The coaching change, the new mentality was very, very good for this young man. They are holding him accountable. He wants to be held accountable. And he feels like he has a fresh start. And has even told me how excited he is to play in Jeff Levy's offense. He knows it suits him. He knows he fits it. Now he's been banged up in spring ball, so he hasn't been able to show it a ton on the practice field. But this is a guy that is going to get his opportunity. And he fits this mid-zone scheme extremely well. and. At his size, he brings a physicality that none of the other backs on the roster right now bring. And I just think that if he handles his business on and off the field the way that he's supposed to and he stays healthy, he's finally going to have some breakout games and have a good season. I, I do not hide that I'm cheered for this young man because he's an Oklahoma City guy. And you know how I feel about my OKC guys, Ted. Yeah. So this needs to be the year for Marcus Major. Needs to be the year. Everything, everything is lining up for him to have a productive year as a running back for the University of Oklahoma. Now he's just got to go make it happen. Yeah, and – I, I agree. I think this system could be great for him. I think because of the up-tempo nature that, you know, there's going to be plenty of opportunities for two and maybe even three running backs in this system. I think, um, you know, whenever you go right at people with some of that inside zone stuff and you're going up-tempo and it's fast, there's some great opportunity for a physical back to really, really make some explosive runs right there. And, you know, when guys get tired, you're going to pour it downhill. And next thing you know, you're one-on-one with the safety and got a chance to be off to the races. I think it fits him excellently. And I'm with you. I've been rooting for him. You know, it's frustrating to me that it's, you know, it's a, it's such a big off season, a big spring ball for him. And he's been banged up. And I know there's some things that you can't do about getting banged up, but, you know, I, he needs to be out there carrying the rock. He needs to be on film. He needs to be making plays. He needs to be pounding it into this coaching staff's head that he's going to be there in the fall. Because I, you know as well as I do, if in the spring, if, if you've been proven to be unreliable in the past and spring rolls around and we're looking for big things from you and – you're unreliable again in the spring, even if it's has nothing to do from, you know, you're doing, it's just, it's injury issues. That conversation takes place with coaches. It's like, you know, is, are we going to be able to have him available in the fall? So he's got to really focus, make sure he gets his body right, stay healthy, take, take care of all his business off the field. And if he can do those things, he's got, you're not going to find many running backs in the country with more pure talent for like between the tackle style running like he could do. So I'm excited for him. I'm just, I'm hoping this is the year it all comes together. Yeah. I'll say this just 
you know, being around him last couple of years and then being around him a little bit in the spring, he got a bit, a, a bit of a different energy about him. I, I, I don't know if that's something uh, I'm sure it has something to do with the new staff, and all, but he just, I don't know. He seems like he's enjoying playing football a little more, even though, you know, he, he hadn't been able to be on the practice field that much. I don't know. It's just the sense I get. And that, that matters a lot in yeah. my mind. Like, or are you enjoying it? You know, are you having, are you having fun doing it? So man, I hope he has a good year. Come on, Oklahoma city's finest. Let's go Marcus major with, with major being sidelined for a lot of spring ball. Javante Barnes has had a lot of opportunities to show the coaches what, what he can do. And that young man has not disappointed. And yeah. he, he looks the part now. And I, I cannot wait to see what he looks like after a full summer with Schmitty. Th this guy's going to be an absolute monster. I mean, he already looks like a college running back. And I don't even think he's scratched the surface of what he's going to be physically. This guy is going to look, he's going to be a ridiculous looking back. It's going to be awesome. That number two looks sweet as well. Yeah, it looks really good. And he's made a lot of progress this spring mentally when it comes to his understanding of the system. I think things are starting to slow down for him a little bit. He's going to be a really, really, really good football player. Just got to give him a little time. I do expect him to contribute right away. He's just too talented not to put on the field in some situations. You, you talked about making guys miss, you know, one-on-one -on -one in space. That's exactly what this guy does, and he does it easily, and he does it being a big dude. So he, he's got to work through the freshman issues, right? Like pass protection's an issue. It is with all young running backs, and that is the easiest way to keep your butt on the sideline if you're a young back. But this, often, this offense isn't easy. With the tempo that they play with, they're moving quickly. You got to think quickly. So you got to know exactly what you've got to do. I think he's getting more and more comfortable, Ted. But man, talk about a talented player. They are, they're really excited about Javante Barnes. Yeah. He, he's a stud, man. He's physical. He, when you hand him the football, he can absolutely go. Now, he's young, he runs too high. Um, you know, I'm sure there, there's going to be some ball security issues as a freshman trying to, you know, get acclimated with what it's like carrying the ball in traffic in, in big time college football. But um, I think he's going to get way better at all those things. And it's probably going to happen really quickly. It would not shock me if. By. Halfway, three quarters of the way through the season that he may emerge as the best runner with the football and may start to get a bunch of reps and may be like the big play running back. You know, um, I think Eric Gray is going to be obviously the most well-rounded, but like if you're looking for home run type threats in the running game, this may end up being the guy for that. So, you know, this is one of those guys, like I was talking about earlier, 
you don't want your freshman playing every now and then you have a special guy. Well, there's an opportunity at running back and running back is one of those positions where mentally just not a whole lot. I mean, there's definitely stuff that you have to learn. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I don't, I don't mean to oversimplify the position, but. Oh, you could say it. It's the easiest position in football. It's doable to, as a freshman, to be able to go in there and, you know, I'm, I'm getting the ball here. I know this play, right. And protections and all that stuff you should be able to figure out. So I'm excited about him. I think he's a potential superstar running back. Yeah. He, it's the way it looks. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see as the season progresses. Well, first it'll be interesting to see how training camp goes for him. And then once they get into the season, you know, what, what his workload is looking like, I, I said, running back is the easiest position in football. The mental component of running back is the easiest position in football. The physical part sucks. Yeah. Everyone on that defense is trying to kill you when you have the ball. It, it's a lot. Running Physically, back, it is. One, one guy that I thought we should mention running back-wise, Gavin Sawchuck, he, we'll, we'll see what happens when he gets on campus, right? I've never seen the young man play in person. I, I know from the things I've seen on social media, the kid can absolutely fly on a track. I know that, but we'll see what type of role, if any, he'll have in the 2022 season because won't be here till June. But if you can run like that, normally you can find, you can find some ways to use a guy with that type of speed, but we'll see. Yeah. I I think he's, he's got all the natural ability in the world. Now, um, two freshmen playing. I don't know. That's, that sounds like a lot. If you're talking about four backs, in the mix there, my guess is that's probably not going to be the case. Um, but we know he's immensely talented. We'll see what happens once he gets on campus. Yep. All right, let's get to call your shot. And we ask you guys what you're excited about when it comes to OU's QBs and RBs. This first one comes from at Chris Rich 316 on Twitter, who says, tough one. Excited to see EG utilized to exploit his abilities, but want to see major in a productive role and to see if Barnes and Sawchuck contribute or preserve a year and really excited to see the transfer Tawi Walker. He's getting raved about by players. I will say this about Walker. That dude has massive calves. What I mean, number they, is he? 29. Okay. He is yep. he is a little ball of muscle, and I have seen him run some people over. I just don't know. There, there's just other guys that are more talented than him. If he were to have a role on this team, I I would expect it to be kind of in some short yardage goal line situations because uh, he is he's a little like muscle tank. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. It's tough, man. Running back. Here's the thing, though, man, and this isn't flashy and no one probably wants to hear it or no one really cares. Uh, Maybe that's the case, but I think it does matter. Your running back room is critical on special teams. It's kind of like your linebacker room. Those are the guys that the 
make up the bulk of a lot of your special teams units, your, your punt, your kickoff, your kickoff return, punt return. Those guys are going to be out there a lot. And, you know, there's a role for those guys to make, make plays on special teams. You can't forget about that. You know, you're just, you're not going to have five backs carrying the football in typical game flow, right? Yeah. Blowout scenario. Maybe you have a bunch of guys carry the football, but in a typical game, conference game, tough game, you're talking two or three guys that are going to be in the rotation. You can't give five or six guys reps throughout a week to be ready to play on Saturday. Correct. All right. And this other one comes from infamous bail at BS bill on Twitter says, hopefully Gray will be able to utilize his skill set far more frequently. Having two guys who can work the interior in Major and Barnes will be a nice change of pace. First-time quarterbacks are usually nerve-inducing for fans. Having a first-time quarterback who knows the system is relaxing. I like the way you put that. Nice job, infamous Bale. Yeah, I like it. Good stuff. Relaxing. Well, wait till you see <laughs> Dylan Gabriel on the field and on the sideline. He, like, he calms me down. I know that. <laughs> uh, like, yeah, this guy. He, he plays with a lot of fire though. Like when the lights are on and it's game time, he brings the fire. I am I am excited to see that dude play a game. Right? Because I went back and watched some of the UCF stuff, and you're right. The dude's got a little edge to him on game yeah, day. So he does. that that's gonna be fun to watch that uh that switch flip. All right, let's get to birthday shout outs. Happy 12th birthday. To Alyssa Newman. Happy 20th birthday to Bevan Eckerd. Eckerd. That's pretty close to Eckerd. Wonderful related. <laughs> Probably. Happy belated 22nd birthday to Trenton Jones. Happy 23rd birthday to Zach Hughes. Happy 23rd birthday to Peyton Caps. Happy 23rd birthday to Ralvi Rocket Garcia. I... Yeah, I think I, I think it Ravi Rocket Ravi, Garcia. Ravi Rocket Garcia. Happy yeah. 35th birthday to Tim Pickens. Happy 39th birthday to Andy Scott. Happy 73rd birthday to Roy Nelson. And happy 81st birthday to Leroy Rawson. And two late additions. Happy 64th birthday to Jim Darlington. And happy birthday to, oh boy, <laughs> Ma Michelle Michaela Piccolo. It, Mikhail? Am I, okay, bear with me. I've never seen a name spelled this way in my life, I don't think. Michaela Piccolo? Are you ready? Here we go. Yeah. M I C H A L E. M I C H A L E. Mikhail? Mikhail. Mikhail. Mikhail Piccolo, right? Piccolo. Or is it Piccolo? I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. But we tried. <laughs> we tried. All right. Let's get to the National College Football Roundup. We got some drama to talk about. But first, it's time to get back out on the golf course, people. And there's yeah, nothing better to drink on the course than the number one seltzer in golf, Clubby Seltzers. Clubby Seltzers is an Oklahoma company that is already winning 
national awards because their product is delicious. There you have it right there. Tastes exactly like a club special, but it's a seltzer. They're not just for the golf course either. They're perfect to drink by the pool, after mowing the lawn, whatever. If you haven't tried Clubby Seltzers yet, go grab some. You won't regret it. Clubby's first variety pack is coming out in May. To find a place near you that near you that has Clubby's, visit ClubbySeltzers.com. Drink those people. They're so good. So good. Attention business owners. You need Insurica in your life. Yeah, you do. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. All right, let's do some National College Football Roundup. Been a while. Yes. Been a while. And, of course, we will start with the drama in Austin. So, here is what defensive lineman Moro Ojimo said about the culture at Texas. Quote, they're 18 to 22-year-olds that want to chase women, want to chase money, want to chase alcohol, and they don't see the future. They are distracted by what's in front of them, end quote. He then mentioned guys that are, that are a bit like worried about NIL money instead of being worried about signing a second contract in the NFL for $50 million. He talked about Steve Sarkeesian, said he should have. He said, sorry, I had to cough, people. The cough <laughs> is still here, man. Still, still hanging in the throat a little bit. All these people were probably like why did it just go quiet why was there no audio and it was for me to cough just dying over here but okay you good i think so okay he he so he said this stuff and he's he's a leader on the team he's a veteran guy he's played a lot of football for him but he he talked about about how some guys just maybe don't have their priorities straight in that program. Yeah. Which I think a lot of, a lot of people agree with. And a lot of people have been saying for a long time. So of course, Steve Sarkeesian came out and defended his guy, right? No, no, the exact opposite happened because Steve Sarkeesian came out publicly, basically said that Ojimo should have said, that stuff behind closed doors didn't like the way that he said it, uh, the forum that he used to say it. And I don't know. It was really weird. And then he said that Ojimo's not going to be talking to the media anytime soon. So what do you think, Ted? Uh, I, well, I think it's ridiculous. And if I was Ojimo, I would probably 
well, I don't know if I would or not, but it wouldn't shock me if he hits the transfer portal. If you're frustrated with how your team is focused, if you've got too many guys that are worried about hanging out on 6th Street and hanging worried about NIL money and not focused on doing the tough things that you have to do to go win and doing it as a team and just putting your head down and grinding through the offseason and, and trying to, to make some serious headway in the program. Like if you're frustrated about that and you say something and you're the one that's punished, like you don't want to play there. That's ridiculous. That is, I don't know if Steve Sarkeesian knows this or not. He, he, someone maybe should break this to him. It ain't his football team. It's Ojimo's football team. He's the senior there, right? He's the one that's earned it. It ain't Steve Sarkeesian's football team. It's the locker rooms, right? And if the locker room is not acting accordingly, not not maintaining itself like a championship uh, locker room should, and a senior member wants to say something behind closed doors, he can. If he wants to say something to the media, he can. That it's his team. I the ultimate goal for any head coach should always be that the locker room polices itself right? That's what you want. You don't want to be uh, the disciplined guy that has to come in all the time and try and clean up messes. You want the messes cleaned up in the locker room. That's where it all has to start. If you don't have the right guys in the locker room, it's not going to work. And here you've got a guy trying to be the right guy in the locker room and you shut him down. It's pathetic. And it is right in line with everything that's happened at Texas over the last decade, right? This is the problem. What's the, the, the problem is we get a bunch of really good recruits, right? They out-recruit Oklahoma almost every year. They out-recruited them this year. But what's the focus? The focus is on 6th Street and being a superstar down in Austin, Texas, playing for the Texas Longhorns. Well, uh, all of that has got them is a shit record over the last decade. It's god-awful. It's horrible. It's one of the worst in the Big 12, right? And here's a player that wants to change it, wants to call guys out, and, and wants to demand more from himself and his team, and he's slapped down for doing so. It's pathetic. It's an embarrassment. I, it's shocking. It shouldn't be, but it's shocking to me. I I was really surprised because I also I saw these comments because these comments aren't like new. Right. Right. Like 10 days or so. ago. Yeah. When- yeah. And I, I saw him and I was like, good for him. That's good. I was like, it, and the weird part about it is I read him and I saw the video and I saw another video about Ojimo talking about how badly he wants to win and all these things. And I was just like, damn Sark must love that guy. Like what that that's, that's the type of leader you want on your football team. 
Well, I was wrong. <laughs> I mean, to come out and say that, and I get it. Like, you know, keep it behind closed doors. What do you say? Family business is family business. Then he said, who says mow your own lawn? It's hoe your own row. Come on, Steve. No yeah. one says mow your own lawn. I don't even, that doesn't have anything to do no, with the. He, he made it sound, it, the way that he, that Steve Sarkeesian said it, he made it sound like he was calling out Ojimo, like he hasn't been taking care of his stuff. Right. Which I thought was a even weirder way to react because by all indications, the guy, now the guy's not a world beater of a player, but I've had people at Texas tell me that this guy is smart as hell. And like does everything right, is a great member in the community, like all this stuff. To say that about a player like that, it's it's baffling, man. I don't know. Here's the and I don't I don't know what his what his business is like. I don't know how he maintains his his himself away from the the facility. No idea. Frankly, I don't care. I couldn't care less. But I, I just, it looks to me from an outsider, when a player is calling out bad behavior, it makes it look like the coaching staff isn't, right? And whenever it looks like the coaching staff isn't, it makes it look like they're up there twiddling their thumbs while the players are running around wreaking havoc on 6th Street or whatever's going on, and it, it ends up shining a bad light on Steve Sarkeesian, which if you want your, like, keep your, your feelings from getting hurt about something, then I don't know, go have a conversation with your mom. But whenever you've got a senior player on your team trying to set a standard and develop a culture in the locker room, you may want to back that. Yeah, that's, that's the most confusing part. And Sark, Sark made this into a bigger deal than it ever should have been. All, if he got asked about it, all he had to say was, hey, Morrow wants to win. We all want to win. Wait, we get it like he he just wants guys to do the right things so that we win. It's all he had to say, and it wouldn't have been a big deal at all. The only way it turns into a big deal is by responding the way that he did. I just the the whole situation, it's like it's so on brand for Texas, it's unbelievable. It is. How many times do we have to see stuff like this down there? They do not know what the hell they're doing. They don't know how to run a football program. They don't. Steve Sarkeesian, I, I had high expectations. I thought he, he hired a hell of a staff. He did. He's got a great staff. There's some really good football coaches on that staff. They don't know what the hell they're doing. They don't. And I don't know if... He didn't know what the hell he was doing from the beginning or if he got down in Austin and oh the donors and the, the whining and dining and then this back slapping and talking about how good it's going to be and how great we have it. And uh, why don't you go spend a weekend in my lake house? Why don't you go up to Aspen and stay in my house up and I, like everyone's just pumping you up. They want to be a part of the program. You get soft and you let crap through the cracks, and this is what you end up with. It happens every time. They haven't had someone at the helm of that program stand up and say, like, have some, like, 
intensity about what you're doing, right? Have some accountability for yourself, for your players. Set a standard. Hold one another to it. Champion guys that do it right and try and hold others to that standard. This is a shit show, man. That place is ridiculous. And it's always going to be ridiculous, which is fine. Like, I don't, I don't care, but I don't, I want, I'm, I'm tired of hearing people talk about how good of a job it is. That job sucks. That program sucks. It's shitty. The players that go there never pan out. They don't turn out. They out recruit everyone in college football every year. That team's five and seven and lost to Kansas last year. You would think they'd recognize stuff like this. It's yeah. horrible. I hear you. And I, I think I think I'll write us down officially as Team Ojimo in this in this uh this drama they got going on. I think we're siding with him. Yeah, I'm siding with like just pick at each other. Just go bicker back and forth while everyone else in the country is trying to get better at football. I just don't know why Sark publicly criticized him the way he did. It makes it makes no sense. Like a guy says, I want more of my teammates to keep the main thing the main thing and take it more seriously so that we can win more games. And you say, Oh, I'm not letting him talk to you guys anymore. It's just such a weird, such a weird I, response. I just tell like go walk well, if you had a chance to walk around the facility and see what's going on at OU right now. You you laugh at Texas, and you just know that this program has run circles around that one and is going to for as long as you can see into the future. It's going to continue to happen. Place is an absolute joke. It should not be t- If they're not going to take themselves seriously, no one else should. You know, you know how... I know you're frustrated is that is by far the most you've ever cussed on this podcast. <laughs> I, I just think it's inexcusable. Tiger and, tiger got out of the cage. Well, I'll tell you, man, I, if, if I were, in, if I was the athletic director down there, like to me, it's almost a fireable offense. Not because of like, he said anything that was like, like, it's like the words aren't that bad, but how does that happen? Like, what did I hire you to do here? Like, what what are we even talking about? Like, this is the type of guy that you put out in front. Like, this is this is what we want. This is what we want representing our our program. And you're gonna like pull the mic and say, "Nope, you're done here. Don't you don't tell everyone what's going on here. That's not what we want." joke i'll say this chris del conte the athletic director there was the athletic director at tcu for quite some time and there is a former tcu head football coach that is lurking in the shadows currently on the texas payroll true just saying all right one other thing i want to talk about brian kelly so he certainly made a lot of headlines this offseason leaving notre dame for lsu He's made even more headlines this offseason with the uh, the random appearance of a Southern accent and some goofy dancing they recruits have put out there on, on social media. But he made some more headlines this week when he talked to our buddy Ralph Russo 
from the Associated Press had some interesting things to say about Notre Dame and why he left Notre Dame for LSU. And he made it sound like Notre Dame basically wasn't willing to give him all the resources he wanted. And he mentioned, you know, wanting a chef dedicated to the football program, wanting a new practice facility with a new dining hall, like these things that places like Bama and Clemson and Georgia have. And I I just thought it was really interesting because I think we were all under the impression that Brian Kelly left Notre Dame for LSU because of the type of players that he could get at LSU that could lead to him actually winning a national championship. But now hearing some of this stuff, it's becoming clearer and clearer that coaches, big-time coaches, want to be somewhere where the school is completely bought in. And it just made me think of the stuff we are hearing Brent Vittable say. And he's, you know, talking about changing the nutrition program. Uh, We've heard him talk about pushing the administration. You know, best is the standard, right? He says it all the time. That stuff costs a ton of money. And I just think that, you know, it just reminded me of the, the things we're hearing from BV and the new rejuvenated commitment we're seeing from the University of Oklahoma. These comments from Brian Kelly, that's that's the reason why you're seeing stuff like that. Yes, it has to do with moving to the SEC and with Lincoln Riley leaving and all that stuff, but there is there's a certain standard that the coaches have now when it comes to the investment from the program they want to lead. Well, I get it from both sides. I get it from the administration side. Uh, if you're the administration at Notre Dame or even at Oklahoma, you know, Oklahoma's made several college football playoffs. Notre Dame has made, what, have they made two or three? They've, they've made uh, the playoff. So as, a, as at the administration, you're saying, ah, man, they, we are a player or two away. Right, we're we're right there. We're close. Like we're we're doing a really good job with what we've got. And the coach is saying, "We're not close. I, we haven't. We've been to the playoff. Lack of better options, but we've been routed every time. It's not competitive. We are." really far away from winning a championship. We are not a couple of players away from winning a championship. Like you have like for in Oklahoma's instance, like we're about to go to the SEC. You got to have a reason to get a kid from Georgia or a five-star D tackle from Louisiana like why why would that kid leave those places to come to Oklahoma if i everything that we have isn't at least as good it really needs to be better right dining living facilities environment with the fans like tailgating before the game 
everything. Like, if you don't have that, why would why would a kid leave not go to Alabama? Because he likes the Jumpman logo? I mean, that's a piece of the pie. That's cool, but that's not going to get it done. So, like, I understand where Brian Kelly's coming from. Uh, it's the same thing at Notre Dame. Like, you're not a couple of players away. It's hard as hell to get guys to go to Notre Dame because of the academic requirements. And, like, oh, here's the great news. You get to come to Notre Dame. School's going to be hard as hell. Our facilities aren't as good as anyone else's in the country, but you get to wear the gold helmet that they wore 50 years ago. That, that That's not going to get it done, man. It's just not. And that's, that's why Brian Kelly left, right? Because I, I think he, he realizes he's on the back end of his career, right? He's, he's nearing the end. But he knows the type of ridiculous investment it takes now. And this is pre-college football playoff expansion. I mean, imagine imagine when this thing expands and you got to win a couple more games mm-hmm. against, you know, the premier teams. This stuff, this, this level of investment is only going to go up and up to try to gain an advantage. So I, it was just, I, I thought that it was interesting to hear Brian Kelly say that about Notre Dame because we've been hearing Brent Venables talk about the changes that are being implemented here at Oklahoma. Like, it is, it's still, the arms race is still going on. I know some people are like, oh, maybe the facilities stuff and that stuff will slow down. <laughs> I, as we near going to just like some sort of super league here in the future, like it's just going to ramp up and up, man. And it is good to know that OU's administration is, is on board with a lot of that stuff. And OU's coaching staff is pushing for that stuff because Venables came from a place that put all that stuff in place, right? Everyone's seen the Clemson facility and all that stuff, right? We talked at that turnip seat about all that stuff. So it's just what it's what schools across the country are going to have to continue to do if they want to compete at the highest level in this sport. You're not competing against the Texas Techs and the TCUs and the West Virginias and the Oklahoma States and the Kansas States and the Iowa States. That's not who you're competing against anymore. I mean, you can win all the Big 12s you want. You could rip off the next 50 of them if you want to. I, the extra amount to get over the top is it's a lot. It's harder to win a national championship now than it has ever been. You can't just, you can't have a great season, be hot at the right time and go win a one-off game. Just it's, it doesn't happen that way anymore. You got to win back to back against the premier of the premier that have, like in Oklahoma's case right now, if we made a college football playoff this year and we play Alabama or Ohio State or Georgia in the first round, like the roster, as far as like NFL ability, it ain't even close. It's not. Just, I mean, 
That doesn't mean we can't go out and maybe win the game, win a one-off game. Anything can happen on any day. But it's incredibly, incredibly hard. And we've seen it. We've had really good teams before. You know, Kyler Murray won the Heisman Trophy. It's 28-0 in the first quarter against Alabama. You remember what I said to you on the sideline of that game? Yeah. Pre-game? Yeah. <laughs> You're going to get killed. <laughs> this ain't going to go well. <laughs> I mean, it's just... The guys look different, man. They look different. They're bigger. They're better fed with these chef meals. Now, I just, it that was, you know, reading Brian Kelly's comments, it, it puts it into perspective, right? What it truly takes. And some people may view it and be like, man, I can't believe they spend that type of money, right? But you look at what, you know, the Bamas and the Georgias and the Ohio States are doing. Yeah, it's it's going to take an incredible amount of investment from all of us. You know, coaches, fans, administration, radio guys. It's that's that's why you hear Venables talking about that all in stuff like he means it. Because be. it is gotta be. That's that's how it's got to be. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the week. But first, Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence with the 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio. No student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? I had to go with uh, fans of the Washington football team. Um, The Commanders? The commanders, is that, yeah, the, they're sorry. The, they're the commanders now. The commanders, that's only going to take me five years. I just got to saying the Washington football team, and now I've got to learn commanders. Um, you know, fans there have complained forever about their owner. Well, little uh, investigation reveals that they've been cooking the books over there in uh, in Washington, and... They've been hiding money from fans, from other NFL teams in the revenue sharing program. So uh, there's no telling what may go down with this. There's a chance that old Snyder may be forced to sell this team. Um, I don't know exactly that that's that's what's necessarily going to happen. I'm sure he has his story as to what exactly is going down. But um, I'm sure there's some people rejoicing around there that want that that franchise run much better than it has been. Yeah. So the commanders, they have denied all of these allegations. No. Of, co- of oh, course okay. they have. But, you know, a little more detail. So they allegedly purposefully failed to refund up to $5 million in deposits to season ticket holders. And then the ticket revenue sharing you were talking about this is how it works. And this is from Axios Sports. NFL teams 
must give 40% of their net home ticket sales to the league, which it then distributes to the other 31 teams. A former employee testified that the team kept two sets of accounting books in an effort to underreport its revenue and allegedly attributed game revenue to other events held at their stadium, including Navy Notre Dame and a Kenny Chesney concert. <laughs> Which is the Kenny Chesney concert. It's like, no, 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 we didn't make that from a, a commander's game. That that was all Chesney. Wow. Uh, what you know, what I wonder is if it's that easy to do, is anyone else doing it? You know? I I would like, like to the think NFL not. themselves coming like that's a big like you're just going to rely on all 32 teams to say here's what we made and here's what we'll contribute to the rest of the group like I is there any NFL auditor that's going around and and making sure that they're giving their fair share I don't know that's in, it's it's interesting to think about it it is because when I saw this originally I was like this is finally what that because NFL owners stick together, right? Mm-hmm. There's 32 of them. And it's like, Hey, if I don't mess with you, you don't mess with me. We'll stick together. That's why, even though Dan Snyder had the toxic work environment scandal and all that, like he somehow still owns the team, even though I think, what is it? His wife who runs the day to day now, because he, right? he can't Maybe. be the face, but if he if he messed with the thirty one other owners' money by not accurately reporting their revenue and then having that distributed to the other teams, like that would piss all of those guys off, unless right. Right. silence may be really telling. If they're not coming out pounding the table like, "Where's my money?" It's like, don't look here. Don't look here. Turns out all NFL teams have made a ton off Kenny Chesney concerts. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things is not only is it underreported to the other owners, it also ends up being underreported to the player's share, right? Yeah. So it's in all of the owners' interest. Like, if they can keep two sets of books, this is what we tell everyone we make, right? And that's what the percentage goes to the players from this revenue, right? And here's what we actually make. So I don't know. It's it's interesting to see, and I don't know if it goes any deeper, but um, there could be a chance. New ownership, possibly. There are a lot of Commanders fans that are that are very excited because they think, Finally, Snyder's going down. <laughs> we'll see. All right, who do you have as your loser of the week? Now, I saw this reported, and and I don't know like how much truth there is there, and, but it sounds like you know Coach Stoops is going to do the XFL thing. So, Fox Big Noon is going to be left with a, an opening. Urban Meyer? Really? Are they really thinking about bringing Urban Meyer back? I don't, is there a a football coach that you can think of that has like 
a worse reputation right now than Urban Meyer? I hear you. What happened in Jacksonville, you know, all the reporting that ha- has come after the fact, after him being let go yeah. by the Jaguars. Yeah, it hadn't been great, right? It hadn't been great. I will say this, though. Did you watch Fox Big Noon kickoff when he was on there? Yeah, some. He's pretty good, man. He's pretty good on TV, and he – but I know he's – There's a bunch of guys that can be good. I hear you. I hear you, but, like, if – take take the off-the-field stuff out of it, right? Take the girl trying to sit on his lap and, and – The grinding you know, episode. And, you know, what some of the players that played for him at Florida ended up doing with their lives and, and with other people's lives. Ohio State. And the Ohio State stuff, and then how Jacksonville and that whole thing went. Like, take that all out of it. And the fact that you want a uh, guy to talk about football that didn't know who Aaron Donald was. I still don't believe he didn't know who Aaron Donald hey, was. Who's, who's this 99 guy, huh? Pretty good He's player. Good. <laughs> it's still the most ridiculous. There's no way that, I mean, it just can't be true. <laughs> just cannot be true. But they're just. There's not a lot of guys that have have won that many national championships. Now, if you could put him through maybe some speech classes, I think Coach Ogeron would be pretty good on there. But would anyone know what he's saying? That's <laughs> that's, that's the thing. Normally, Big normally in those roles, it's like I I don't want to be able to tell tell where you're from, right? You want to have that neutral accent so everyone can understand you. Uh, Coach O doesn't quite hit that. Doesn't quite hit that. Even though he was at Notre Dame like yesterday. Yeah. I guess yeah. with his sons saying that they were going to win titles. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I just I, I thought that that was thought that was really weird by Fox. But um I guess if there's no better options. Well, it it sounded like it was a like Bob couldn't do it anymore because Fox was has the USFL now. Right. And the XFL, which Bob is coaching in, is going to be on ESPN. And that's not great synergy, I guess. Which Bob didn't sound very uh, torn up about it. He was like, ah, I wanted to watch my son play anyways. Yeah. Well, they get hung up on the dumbest things. You think anyone cares at all? That Coach Stoops coaches in the XFL, not the USFL, whenever they're watching Fox Big Noon. Does that matter to anybody in the world at all? Just the few people at Fox that thought of it. They're like, oh. What's going to happen if someone asks, why is he coaching the USFL? But, but Tim, the optics. The optics. <laughs> I guarantee you the word optics was used in that many meeting. Guarantee it. There are no optics. No one's watching. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's get to my winner and loser. But first, if you are a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing. Head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. You got to grab some of Balcones lineage single malt whiskey. It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world. No big deal. By Whiskey Advocate. And you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. 
It's made from blue corn. That's the fancy corn. And that is why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcones Pot Still Bourbon. It's big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. Remember, in 2012, Balcones Single Malt won the Best in Glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen. Never heard of them. and became the first American distillery to win the competition. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcones products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners, yeah, they're from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit balconiesdistilling.com. All right, for my winner of the week, thought about going with New Oregon head coach Dan Lanning. Big recruiting win for Lanning. Landed a commitment from 2022 five-star Offensive tackle, Josh Connerly. A lot of recruiting experts out there thought Connerly was headed to USC. But Lanning, that new staff, get a nice win. They're saying they're saying Eugene, Oregon is the, the SEC of the West Coast. They took a lot of good recruiting coaches out there. So, yeah, they're saying it's the SEC of the West Coast, and Lincoln Riley already ran from the SEC once, right? You know they're saying that. I, I have a feeling that's been mentioned in a recruiting <laughs> pitch or two by those Oregon coaches. Oh, yeah. But my winner of the week, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Maybe it's just the NBA playing games. I love them, man. I, I, I loved watching Brooklyn. Uh, Kevin Durant, by the way, still very good at basketball. Kyrie Irving, also. Still very good at basketball, and that that was that was fun. But the Minnesota game against the Clippers that was so much fun to watch on Tuesday night. I want to make one thing clear: I was not cheering for Patrick Beverly. Couldn't do it. Couldn't stomach it. However, I was cheering against the Clippers. So make of that what you want, because the the Thunder have they they've got the the Clippers first round draft pick. So we want the Clippers to lose again in this next game. And that way that pick is higher for the Thunder. So that, so the Clippers losing to the Timberwolves was a good thing. And the Timberwolves won despite Carl Anthony Towns, just sucking in that game. I mean, he played so poorly, couldn't hit a shot, couldn't guard anyone. Couldn't stop fouling people. I mean, the dude fouled out with like almost eight minutes to go in the game. Lucky, lucky for the the uh, the T Wolves, he did foul out. That was probably a good no thing kidding. For him. Yeah, Carl Anthony Towns isn't feeling great after that game because they went on a run once he was out of that that sucker. And luckily for him, Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell played really, really well. There's a lot of discussion about the celebration. Was it a little over the top? Maybe. But this is where I'm at with it, Ted. Who cares, man? Let the guys have some fun. Let the fans have some fun. We've been through a lot over the last couple of years. Now, Patrick Beverly throwing his jersey into the crowd. <laughs> that was hilarious. I don't know how I feel about it. It was funny, though. But that atmosphere looked awesome. And people that are like, oh, act like you've been there before. Oh, shut up. That looked like a hell of a time. Don't act like you've been there before. Act like you're having the time of your life. That's what people want to see. 
And for anyone that's upset about it, I, how, how could you ever get upset over how someone celebrates a win? I mean, there's, there's some things that maybe you don't celebrate and sometimes not to celebrate, but this isn't one of them. Have fun. It looked like they enjoyed it. it looked like the crowd was, was obviously enjoying it. I thought it was cool. You know, because I, I watched the entire game and I watched the celebration. And I watched the guys from TNT make fun of them from celebrating afterwards, which <laughs> was pretty hilarious. But it's Shaq and Charles Barkley. They could say what they want. They could do what They're they gonna want. They're going to make fun it, of something anyways. It might as well be that, right? You know, do you know what my reaction was to watching those people celebrate? What was it? Jealousy. <laughs> right. I miss playoff basketball, man. I, I miss watching the Thunder playing important games. And I was watching those Timberwolves fans, and I was like, I used to be that. That used to be me. You didn't I have used a to semi, feel that energy. You didn't have a semi-celebration of the Clippers losing, though, and, and the, it, the Thunder I, pick being better? I gave it like a little fist bump. I was like, <laughs> yeah, fist pump, yes. all right. Good for draft positioning. But I was watching those Timberwolves fans and those players, and I was like, I want that again. Please. It was fun. It was fun whenever it was rolling, man. There's no doubt about that. But I'll stay positive. After hearing Shea Gilgis Alexander talk in his exit interview about how he how excited he is about Sam Presti's plan, the Thunder's plan. Even had had a smirk on his face, talking about big old smile from SGA. Like if he's excited, I'm excited, baby. But I want to feel that again. I want I just to feel Sam NBA Presti's- playoff energy again, Ted. I know. I just hope Presti's plan this time isn't to trade away uh, one of the major pieces, young, uh, with everything in front of them over a couple million bucks. That's what I hope. I, I hope Presti's plan is better this time. I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> that being said, even after that trade, should have won a title, maybe two. True. And it's True. Patrick Beverly's fault. Mm. Can't cheer for him. I couldn't. It was so funny. Oh, the only thing funnier than him throwing his jersey into the stands was the lady that tried to glue herself to the court. I mean, what? What? I, listen, I, I get it was about, you know, treating animals well and all that stuff. Like, I get it. I get it. I'm all for treating animals well. I am, but. Was that Elmer's glue? What? <laughs> what did wood glue? Is that wood glue because she's did, on a wood floor? What did she think she was going to accomplish? Like, I need to know. Like, how did she see the plan going in her head? And if you don't know what we're talking about, during the game between the Timberwolves and the Clippers, a woman goes on the court and in protest tries to glue her hand to the court. And I'm not making it up. That's what happened. But yeah, I, I feel like she saw it going differently in her mind. Well, I don't know how she saw it going, but it could only go one of two ways. Uh, way one, you don't use a good enough glue and you just come up off the floor. Way two, you do use a good enough glue and your skin is left on the basketball floor. All right. That's the only other way it was going to go. Right. <laughs> 
So maybe Elmer's glue was the right choice for her. It was. It definitely was. All right. For my loser of the week, thought about going with the Derek Carr haters because my man, DC, another big extension, three years, 121 and a half million dollar extension with the Las Vegas Raiders. Mm. Unbelievable. Huge. Huge, huge money being thrown around out there. Derek Carr is, um, he's making bank. Is he ever going to win a Super Bowl with the Raiders? Absolutely not. It's never going to happen. But the guy is making a ton of money. Can't hate him for that. I'll say this. I'm fine with it because he's an awesome guy. There's worse quarterbacks and worse people making the same or more money than him. Great way of looking at it. Great way of looking at it. I also thought about going with West Virginia quarterbacks because you see JT Daniels committed to West Virginia, uh, school three, maybe the, maybe the lucky charm there for JT Daniels reuniting with Graham Harrell. I, I don't know. Awkward last two weeks of spring ball for those West Virginia quarterbacks on the roster. They're like, Hey man, what the hell? It sounds to me like maybe one of those guys is going to end up having a hell of a year everywhere. JT Daniels is gone. Someone else ends up winning all the games. That's that's a good point. (laughs) We'll see. Maybe, maybe it'll be goose Crowder. That's one of the guys in their QB competition. Goose. They got Garrett green goose Crowder and Nico Marchial. Wow. Those are the three guys battling it out for West Virginia right now. But Ooh. I settled on L.A. Dodgers manager Dave Roberts as my loser of the week. Maybe it should be Clayton Kershaw. I'm not sure whose decision it was. Both and of them. We very rarely talk baseball on here, but look at us. We're about to talk some baseball. Clayton Kershaw had pitched seven Perfect innings against the Twins on Wednesday. Had only thrown 80 pitches, and Dave Roberts pulled him. He had he had two innings left. He only had to get six more outs for the 24th perfect game in the history of Major League Baseball. And he pulled him. And listen, I get that he's got injury history. I get that. They're being cautious, you know, got a late start with the lockout and all those things. Like, I understand it. He's an older guy now. I don't even care that Kershaw said it was the right choice that Roberts made. Like, it wasn't the right choice. It was a stupid choice. He was dominating the game. 13 strikeouts in those seven innings that he pitched. It was cold. I don't know why they're playing outside in Minnesota in, in April. I don't know why they're doing that. But. I just, the competitor, like, there's no way Kershaw wanted to come out, right? He, after the fact, he can say it was the smart thing. It was the right choice. You know, it's a long season, but he had to have been pissed, right? No. Oh, if he was pissed, he wouldn't have came out of the game. That's true. No, So I should be mad at Kershaw. Hey, by the way, did, did you know that he went to the same high school? As Matt Stafford and Scotty Scheffler? Yes. Oh, you did? Uh, not many people know that. It's not well, talked about very often. I, I knew he went to the same. I didn't know 
Scheffler went there, I knew that he went to the same one as Stafford. Well, add Scheffler to that to the graphic. How about he's that? a Highland Park guy? That's pretty impressive. Hmm. Well, here's the thing: any other pitcher on the planet would have told the manager to stuff it, and get back in the dugout. You got a perfect game going here. All right, you're not worried about, or you're worried about him getting injured. Throw it underhand. Throw it left-handed. He is left-handed. He would have to throw right-handed. right-handed. Throw it right-handed. <laughs> What's the worst that happens? They hit it. Uh, we're done here. You walk off. Maybe they hit a ground. Maybe they hit a fly, and, it, and you get some easy outs. Just because you're in for the final two innings doesn't mean you have to try and throw it 110 miles an hour. Get it over the plate safely and see if your defense can go to work for you. There's been 23 perfect games in history. That is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. There's no excuse for it. Manager, pitcher, stupid. The whole thing's stupid. I I wonder how much of it was Kershaw's decision because I will judge that man. If he was like, yeah, I want to come out. Like, It's 100% his decision. If the manager comes out and says, hey, man, listen, 80, 80. No, but he didn't even come out. Like, he just didn't go out. Like, it was in between innings. Okay. In the dugout. Listen, hey, 80 pitch count. You're on it. I know you've got uh, a, a historic accomplishment that you could possibly pull off here that would, you know, be something huge but we've got this pitch count we really got to hold you to it any other pitcher that has any type of competitiveness to him at all would tell him to for you know get stuffed but in another way right you were you were in a real conundrum there about what you were yeah. about to say there <laughs> okay I understand 80 pitch count. I'm going to throw it 70 miles an hour and see if we can get some defensive outs. As soon as they get a hit or get on base, come out and get me. But until then, get the hell away from me, right? Baseball, man. It's a long season. (laughs) They are the worst. Baseball is the worst. They cannot get out of their own way, man. Oh, my God. Kershaw, he's got a chance at a perfect Let's game. Let's cut in live. Cut in live. <laughs> They're idiots, man. The whole thing. How many times do we have to see this with I, baseball? I can only imagine that Rob Manford saw that and was like, yeah, that's the right decision. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. The last thing we want is everyone talking about the perfect game and however long it's been since someone threw one. We don't want them talking about that for the next week. It what just cuts joke. to Kershaw. It cuts to Kershaw. He's putting his jacket on, done for the night, and then he puts his complimentary headphones in Bose. Bose is, is like, no, like a, please. Is there like a, a a silver cursive Rob Manfred on the side of him or something? Personalized Rob by the commissioner. <laughs> All right. On that note, episode 205 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Monday morning. Hope you all have an awesome Easter weekend. 
Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from 3 to 5 on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio Channel 375. Hope you all have a great rest of your week. Have a great weekend. And until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. We always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Until-